All right, guys, we made it. It's Super Bowl week, and it's going to be a long, dark winter for at least, I don't know, like 14 days until we start building XFL lineups. But until then, this is our final football contest. We got showdown stuff to discuss with Justin Freeman from Run the Sims. We're going to talk about how to use the Sims, which are free this week, by the way, to build smart lineups with a chance to win. And then we're going to have the bad bros swing by, talk about the underdog contest offerings, all the kind of strategy you need to win those contests. All today, here on the Pete Overzet Show. I suffer from a debilitating condition known as atropic shockitis. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. Let's go. I got auto match with Levitan. This is bullshit. If I just go the other way in that 66, I win all the money. All the money. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Hey everyone. All right, we are live here. I'm going to get out in front of it. I believe I'm having some, I don't know if it's StreamYard issues or whatever. My, uh, my video feed appears to be slightly choppy, but Justin, you can hear me loud and clear. Yeah, you're coming through good on my side. All right. So guys, I mean, no one needs to see my face. I have a face for radio. Shout out to all the podcast listeners who get to experience this without my pixelated face. I'll try to get that figured out on the fly, but need to jump right into it. Justin, are you excited for Super Bowl showdown week? I mean, this is this is the week where the Sims really shine. Yeah, dare I say it's our Super Bowl. Um, this is wow. uh Swan song for DFS uh this year and looking forward to it. What I love is when some of the more uh, niche contests get really strong payouts. Uh, I talked to you a little bit offline about the second half and fourth quarter types of things. That's a lot of fun edges that we can grind out in there. There's a lot of really fun angles to this game. Uh, so lots of good ways that I think we can take advantage of the Sims. We could talk through a little bit about how they work. Um, that way you can like really be in command of it and drive the Sims yourself and try to get the types of lineups that kind of correlate within themselves. That is, it's funny you bring that up because I do, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with the second half showdown stuff, but the age old question is how big of a grinder are you, right? Because we're, most people don't really feel like firing up their laptop, right? At halftime of the Super Bowl, you know, people are having watch parties, doing all this stuff. What is, what is your sell on being a sicko at halftime during the last and biggest game of the year? I mean, it, it starts with not having any friends. If you cannot have any friends, then you're up on the field already in the comfort of your own home with a laptop nearby where you can fire up your second half Sims and fourth quarter Sims. But um, there's probably some things you can do to at least like build yourself a nice set of dummy lineups so that even if you get a little bit, you know, off script or whatever with your personal party habits, uh, you've got something <laughs> safe to fall back on. But uh, now I think it's a lot of fun. There's a, a 50K to first uh, $10 second half this week. We're obviously burying the lead. There's like a bazillion dollars of regular showdown prizes up for grabs this week as well. A um, million dollars to first, obviously $15 main GPP on DraftKings. Uh, even FanDuel's doing a million to first this week. There you go. And where, I mean, as a, as a showdown thought leader, are you going to be playing everywhere? Are you playing FanDuel? You're playing second half. You're, you're firing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and Super Bowl is like obviously unique in a way because uh, it's everybody's playing it. It's the cat, the most casual contest of the year uh, in terms of 
what everybody's doing, how everybody's approaching it. Uh, even among the pros, like I think everybody will probably get their sets done early. Uh, you won't see a whole lot of uh, late tinkering or adjustments after inactives, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love it because, I mean, here we're talking about <laughs> the main one on DraftKings, 470,000 entrants in that contest, which like I think if you're if you're the type of person that likes to build a low duped lineup, um, yeah. That sounds like really uh, scary. You know, the, the more yep. people you have, the, the more you have to fend that off. I, I welcome it because I think what's going to happen is you're going to consolidate on those same lineups over and over and over again. Like the more casual it is, the more people that are in the contest, the more you're going to see, you know, Captain Kelsey paired with Mahomes, paired with McKinnon, paired with, you know, Jalen Hurts, like the, that the chalkiest possible build you could you could come up with. Uh, you're going to see that like times a bazillion here. So just like take the, the you know, the, the 50 most frequented builds, toss those in the garbage can, just say they're going to be dupe city. And then you could build probably not so contrarian lineups. And uh, luckily like the payout structure is good enough where I think you could take advantage of um, having a slightly duped lineup. That's an interesting take. I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. So just to like kind of summarize, you're saying instead of the, you know, we'll say this contest is what, like three times bigger than some of the biggest ones we saw. And instead of, you know, those duplicated lineups just being, you know, times three smoothed out across the entire contest, you're saying you think it'll still be heavily weighted toward the top end. Those will be mega duped in the lineups that are more naturally contrarian as is will actually stay the same despite there being three times as many entrants. Yeah, like I think if if the lineup that you built today would normally project for 10 dupes, I think it doesn't change that much. I think you're still looking at about 10 dupes. I think you're maybe 15, you know, like I don't think it's a, a, a multiple of three just because it's a three times bigger contest. Exactly. Yeah, and I would say, you know, generally, um, you know, the contest that I'm playing in, you know, if you're doing like the 20 maxes and stuff like that, those will be anywhere from what, like, I don't know, 30,000 to 125,000. I generally am trying to shoot for sub five dupes with my lineups there. Would you kind of loosen your threshold to be, say, under 10 dupes for the contest being this big? Or are you kind of saying this should be business as usual? That's exactly what I would say is, is approach it business as usual. Assume that the fact that there are a large, unless your business as usual is to play the chalkiest possible lineups, uh, right. which some people do, right? And uh, in that case, like, just forget about that, put that to the side, build like that second wave of lineups. And I think you're going to be totally fine. So what is your, you know, for me, you know, going through the Sims, and I should mention Right here up at the top, you guys have obviously seen me talking about Run the Sims throughout the year. You'll see me if you're in the Hand Builders and Opto Bros Discord. I always share the leverage charts. I actually shared a first pass of those based on early ownership. But Justin, for some reason, you guys are, I don't want to say you're bad at business, but why, why did you make your product free for the most important week of the year? Why do I now have to battle against all these freeloaders having access to the Sims? It's a good point. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the, take the week that people are most willing to pay for tools and then uh, give them away for free. Now, uh, for, for us, it's a great way to get people some exposure uh, to the contests that they're already super interested in. Uh, I'll put our showdown product up against uh, anything in the industry. And so I, I think giving people an opportunity to use it on a slate where everybody's forced into playing showdown is a great way to get our name out there. Um, we just want more and more people to get exposure to it. So it works out well for us. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of prizes to go around this week. So there's a lot of different ways to use it. And uh, hopefully we can talk through a few of those.
Yeah, uh, for sure. And I, you know, one of the things that's so fun about The Sims too is how you can go in and tweak the assumptions you want because this is a game. And I would say these two teams in particular, I guess the Eagles passing game is pretty concentrated, but the Eagles running game and then the Chiefs passing game, there's so many options. There's so many viable ways to build that the baseline Sims, your inputs for market share of rushing, receiving, et cetera, those are going to be extremely fragile because these teams shake things up so much. So how are you thinking about that as far as what your baseline assumptions are in there and how people should be utilizing those when they are running the Sims? Yeah, exactly. I, I think the numbers that are in there right now uh, give you like a, a really strong, like eight out of 10 likelihood of happening. Like if you played this game out, um, you know, the, the 10,000 times, I, I think you'll see this type of script pretty closely copied. But you did mention that these are fragile assumptions and um, a couple places where if I'm building lineups personally, what I like to do sometimes is run just a ton of batches of Sims and toss them all into a single spreadsheet and then get get an even bigger sample size. Because what I'll do is I'll start with just these baseline assumptions and maybe I'll run that through five times. Each time I do this, I'm getting 5,000 sets of Sims, which means 5,000 potential total lineups um, that that I'm getting back. So after I run it five times, now I've got 25,000 sort of at this base case is what we'll call it. And then we'll go in and we'll we'll rattle it up from there. Like big piece of news today. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is activated off of injured reserve. Nicole Hardman is placed on injured reserve. So we get all the news we're ever going to get on Hardman. Uh, CEH goes in the lineup. You know, we're pretty much projecting that to be Ronald Jones is going to be inactive. You know, I, I don't see any real way they're carrying four running backs in the Super Bowl. Uh, however, you know, like what if CEH is the lead back? Like that's not completely out of the question. It seemed like he had gotten phased out. So maybe I'll run a 5,000 set where CEH all of a sudden has a uh, flipped, you know, split with Pacheco. Like currently I have it 46% rushing Pacheco, 7% CEH. But what if it's what if it's 46% CEH and 7% Pacheco? Like I don't think that's the base case. Like I don't think that's the most likely thing to happen. But I'd consider that part of the range of outcomes for sure. So that would be the types of things I'm looking to do is find the most direct pieces of uh, of, of fragility, as you pointed out, and, and sort of how that could potentially look. Like we've seen different running back distributions for both of these teams, matter of fact. Um, there's also uncertainty around like Sky Moore versus Justin Watson versus Kadarius Tony as like the wide receiver yeah. three in this offense. So uh, a lot of different ways you could build it out, but I like building each script, dumping it all in like one master file, and then I can sort of um, sum up all those lineup totals throughout and, and, and get some interesting results. Yeah, one cautionary tale based on the process that Justin does, which sounds kind of similar to mine as well, is you then do need to remove duplicated lineups within the set because you can run the different sims and the best lineups will show up repeatedly. And so if you don't control for that, sometimes you'll enter a contest and realize I just put the six lineup, uh, same six lineup in there a, a bunch of times. So that's that's how it could go if you're not removing your lineup dupes. Or it could be the best thing that ever happened to you because those lineups go nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I had that happen once uh, myself where it's like, oh, I screwed up, uh, made a spreadsheet mistake, and it actually worked out to my favor for a change. So when you are like in your personal spreadsheet, when you're, you know, the Sims, and for those of you who don't know, so like when you have these baseline inputs here, you can run the Sims. It's going to uh, simulate uh, these 
games on a play level, spit out the optimal rate. So this is giving you a snapshot of this um, set of Sims here. You see captain rate, Jalen Hurts, you know, eye popping 26.8% of the time, optimal captain. Then you can go to your custom lineups page and see the lineups that are appearing the most frequently. So my question here for you, say you are compiling a bunch of different Sim sets of lineups. Are you just using the frequency that they appear to determine how good they are? Or do you think about it through any other lens? Yeah, usually I'm running, like, I wish I had like a true dupe predictor that I felt good at. I've tried to build it like seven times. Each time I've been really frustrated by how it performs. So as of right now, I don't have one uh, that I trust, but I do trust my ability to sort of go in and weed out lineups that I know are not, uh, that have sort of no unique differentiator in them. Uh, an example of what I mean is, do you have like the chalkiest player possible in captain? And then also like the second chalkiest flex player uh, on that same team without, um, you know, like a 1% or 5% owned player that goes along with them. Um, if so, let's get rid of that. Um, but maybe if I have, uh, you know, I'll do like a check to say, do any of these lineups contain two running backs from the same team, which is typically not a common build. Uh, if yeah. so, I might let those through. So I have like a number of different filters that I'll toss onto these and I'll just kind of create those by hand. Maybe that's something I can actually um, create as a filter in the lineup screen at some point. But um, yeah, like I, I'm looking for easy ways to disqualify a lineup. To, to me, if it spends all the salary or like within a thousand bucks of all the salary, it doesn't have a really compelling product ownership number that goes along with it. And it doesn't have like a unique characteristic in terms of uh, how it's constructed. Then I just want to toss all those in the trash. And if somebody wins with those, then they win with them. Uh, they're probably really good lineups. Um, that's why they come up, bubble up to the top. But it's the the age old question of what do you win when you win? For sure. Uh, two things on that. Um one, now I'm forgetting the first part, so I'll ask the uh, the second part I was thinking about. Because one issue I'll run into is so I'll build lineups for different game flow scenarios. And sometimes I'll do, what if it's just the super low scoring game? You know, mm -hmm. what if it's nine to six? And one thing that you'll notice if you play these super low scoring games, which are naturally going to spit out, normally I'll go here and adjust the, uh, the kicker projections too, so they're not too out of whack here, um, is you know I'm going to get a ton of defense and a ton of kickers, but the frequency of which the lineups appear in these lower scoring slates ends up being higher. You can see here I had pulled it up and the most frequent it I think was like 16 or 17. You'll notice here you'll see a 32, a 23. So if I'm putting this in my spreadsheet and I'm just weighing it by the frequency they appear, certain game flow scenarios, lineups bubble up more to the top. And then I will find myself, if I'm not careful, overweight a very specific game flow scenario. So I'm curious, how do you think about that? Is this an edge I should be willing to lean into saying, hey, this is a scenario most people aren't going to be playing for. And when it does happen, the lineups are even more concentrated. Or should you be considering another way to evaluate these lineups? Yeah, I want to make that that 5000 set you just built, I want to make that proportional within my larger set based on the extent to which I think that's a reasonable assumption. So nine to six in this game, obviously I don't think anybody's really, you know, forecasting for that. Um, so maybe I would have that as just one build out of, you know, 10 builds or 15 builds or something like that. So as long as that's the case and that's the assumption, a matter of fact, what, what you built here looks a lot like a, uh, a Ricky D lineup. Like exactly. This is, 
who's yeah. been crushing it, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I wouldn't toss those out too bad. Uh, he, uh, I, I get really, really, really tired of seeing his little Abby on top of the leaderboards. <laughs> yeah, and so it's just an interesting thing to think about. But, but to me, this is one of the most um, powerful tools about the Sims is if people are just strictly using an optimizer, you have to really be bullying the individual inputs to get, you know, multiple defenses to show up in your lineup over and over where the Sims can account for this on the macro level. That reminded me of the other question I wanted to ask you, the idea of finding things that are unique in lineups. Like you mentioned the two running backs from the same team. I not necessarily pushing back against it, but because so many people use optimizers, because people are using SIM tools now, do you actually think that that's a unique differentiator? Obviously for hand builders, I get why they aren't landing on that, but I just wonder with so many 150 maxers in these big contests, do you think that's even a point of differentiation now, or so many people are just letting the math spit this out and it's actually going to be utilized fairly frequently? Well, on this one in particular, just keep in mind that the rate of 150 maxers is going to be significantly lower. Like if, if 150 maxers mm. traditionally make up 25% of the player pool, um, you know, they're going to make up one third of that this week or, you know, give or take. So, um, yeah, I don't, I know that like you're kind of assuming some operator error uh, in there in terms of how those lineups get built. I think the, the fact of the matter is like based on my studies so far, Two running back actually is a more profitable build uh, more times than not. So uh, I, I think the field underutilizes it because obviously the vast majority of people do build lineups by hand, um, especially for a contest like this. Yeah. And, you know, that was another question I had because one thing I've noticed from using the Sims all year is they seem to spit out a ton more onslaught lineups, five from one team, one from the other, generally weighted toward the team that's favored. Um, you're seeing that a ton here. This is the baseline Sim. Almost all of the top lineups here, you can tell, are 5-1 uh, Eagles onslaughts. Then I always look at the, uh, the chart, you know, Cody will post over on ETR, the frequency of how frequently the field will be utilizing the builds and it's always like the five ones and the one fives will be the most underutilized and the three threes, four twos will be more popular. Again, it, that makes sense to me. And yet then I'm like, if people are using the Sims, if they're using these tools, like, and these lineups will end up being duplicated a lot, I guess, how much of an edge do you think there is in macro onslaught construction? No, I think it's probably the, preferred way to build if you do get a lot of five ones and one fives um then that's best and a lot of times like the, the takeaway is well the sims really love the eagles well the sims don't really love the eagles necessarily the sims just find it extremely easy to consolidate jalen hurts plus aj brown plus dallas goddard plus Devonte smith like that's um that, that's super concentrated it's super predictive is super uh, reliable sim after sim so when when you've got like four players that are so tightly clustered together with their outcomes then it makes it really easy to say like okay well when eagles you know if eagles do well then those four guys have a score that can qualify for the winning lineup um and it's not like you're really fending off other things whereas like if the if is if chiefs do well you still have to like the decision tree goes so many more different ways from there so um you know like patrick mahomes and jalen hurts could very well have a very similar number this week but it could be much tougher to nail a uh patrick mahomes combination than it is a jalen hurts combination yeah 
One real quick question here from Matt in the chat. He wants to know, is there a way to input showdown rules into RTS? Because this DIY simulator works a lot differently than, say, an optimizer that would allow you to have rule groups. Showdown rules as in, like, if Kelsey, no Noah Gray, that sort of thing? Yeah, or say, like, max three, you know, pass catchers from the Chiefs or stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah, no, um, we have a few filters towards the top, but other than that, we're giving you like the raw unadulterated lineup uh, at the end of the sim run. Like whatever it spits out, it spits out. Whatever's the nut lineup, um, that's the recommended play, right? Because in showdown, especially large field showdown, the only thing that matters is hitting the nuts. It's, you know, a pretty rare occasion when there's some uh, other combination that works out. So, uh, no, we don't account for rules. Obviously, you can take the information, throw it in a CSV or Excel file and and filter it yourself after that. But we we pretty much just start spitting out whatever the optimal lineup is for each of those sims uh, over a course of 5,000 each run. So another question, just kind of digging down into like the sausage getting made. And because I, again, I want to build mine with a similar process that you described running a bunch of different Sims uh, mm -hmm. for different scenarios, different usage expectations, and then compiling those, finding the best ones, ones that we think will be relatively unique. Like one other aspect of that is, you know, say you go into this and you're like, I want to play a scenario where Kenneth Gainwell is the lead back. And I'm basically going to go in here and I'm going to adjust their market share. I'm going to give Kenneth Gainwell 41% market share. I'm going to give Sanders 17%, essentially flip the script on the assumption. One thing I think about is obviously you run this sim, you do that, you're going to get far more Kenneth Gainwell. That makes sense. And yet when I think about it too, if you're still screening for the lineups with Kenneth Gainwell that are unique or aren't utilized from the field, and then you trim out all of the very popular Kenneth Gainwell lineups, like you will often end up with the same lineups you would have gotten from the baseline sim that That's feature right. Kenneth Gainwell. And that, so I'm like, sometimes it like trips my head up if I am trying to take this larger portfolio how do I capitalize on that stand specifically? If it, I don't know if I'm making complete sense there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, if if that is like the hill you want to die on, I think it can be okay. I, I guess I'm going to advocate. Uh, you know, pledge myself for playing negative EV lineups, but I think it can be okay to have some uh, what would be considered negative EV lineups in a portfolio that takes a stand like that, where. Yeah, maybe I have some chalky Gainwell builds, but I also have some very unique Gainwell builds in that same 150 set. Uh, I think that that's a totally fine way to play it. Um, I think I had my best results when I wasn't as picky about what lineups I let through. Like I this year, I really, especially earlier this year, I really tried to aim for more uniqueness because, you know, I was having a lot of success with some wins, but there were obviously low dollar wins because I was playing some of the more optimal builds. And, um, you know, but you can you'll you could torch a bankroll uh, going through and aiming for uniqueness. So um, I don't think anything's wrong with having a stand. I think that's honestly one of the few showdown edges still out there is actually having a stand and and going a little bit deeper than the rest of the field's willing to go on that stand right and i think that's a dynamic a lot of people are going to run into where um jalen hurts is going to be a very popular captain when i actually looked at early ownership stuff um he the sims were still even much higher than what he's projected to be owned in the captain slot and mm -hmm. so that's another thing i always struggle with of like what is worth more 
say um, a popular captain where there's a difference, let's say he's going to be 15% owned in the captain slot, we're getting a 10% you know, difference in the captain rate. Is that more valuable as far as leverage in your path to first place if your portfolio is going overweight on Hertz? Or is it having an unpopular captain, say a guy like Juju is only going to be a couple percent, knowing if that hits, then your path to first. Like what is your preferred way to get unique when the Sims are showing you know, a, a captain rate leverage. I hate to say it doesn't matter, but to me, it doesn't matter. Um, either okay. the, the lineup combination itself has to be, has to meet all the thresholds. The, the entire lineup has to meet all the thresholds. So I'm not super inclined to say, uh, it, we're talking large field, talking the, the big lotto. In the big lotto, um, it doesn't matter to me whether Jalen Hurts is over-owned or under-owned or anything like that. What I want to know is how many other people are going to play this lineup. That's the only real okay. thing that matters to me um, because that that helps me calculate the expected payout for playing that whole lineup. So, yeah, like a Jalen Hurts with all the other chalk is going to be a terrible lineup for that tournament. To play a Jalen Hurts that has some really unique pieces mixed in, that might be more tangible. And so the frequency number helps to standardize for all that. So I can tell you whether the Jalen Hurts lineup that has two funky pieces associated with it is better than the Juju lineup, which is going to be super low on sort of off the top uh, with the more chalky pieces around it. You know, And then I can say, well, yeah, I expect them to come in at very similar ownership, but the Hertz lineup has a frequency of 11 and the Juju lineup has a frequency of eight. Therefore, the Jalen Hertz lineup is, is better. So the, the frequency really trumps all, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. And, you know, later in the week, uh, ownership will populate in here and then you will get a yeah. product owned. I saw John in here asking about that earlier. Let me see if I can find his question. He said, if you benchmarked a product owned target as the no fly zone, you can't surpass in the milli, what would that number be? Because we will see some absolutely massive numbers on this product ownership. And it is always slate dependent, right? Because ownership is going to be different depending on the slate. Yeah. But how do you have a one size fits all benchmark you're trying to get under? Or are you just like, oh, this lineup is has a much lower product owned than the rest around it? Yeah, I think 200 is a number that I've often tried to benchmark against. Um, and, and our product owned number is, uh, it's a, obviously if you multiply a bunch of decimals uh, beside each other, yeah. you get like a, a tiny, tiny, tiny decimal, right? That's how multiplying decimals works. So we just multiply our decimal times a million to get it to look like a, a normal size number. So um, yeah, product owned of like 200 or less usually is what, what's going to meet my threshold. Um, maybe more like 500 or less over on FanDuel. Gotcha. Yeah, and this is um, just to kind of get a quick bird's eye view of the captain position. This is my sheet where I just pull in some early ownership numbers and then compare it to the Sims to just kind of get um, an eye for what we might be looking at. And you quickly see how efficient the ownership is on all non-Jalen Hurts captains, where you see the spread here on the difference. Um, isn't that big, but then you do see the massive 26% optimal sim rate for Hertz versus an average 16% captain own. Is this a dynamic you think you'll be really leaning into on this slate? Yeah, when I saw that, that was exciting for me. And uh, sort of what I initially turned to, and this kind of gets back to your last question, was um, 
you know, thinking about single entry or three max type strategy, you know, when you're obviously a, a non-lotto contest, if you're telling me that Jalen Hurts is going to be 10% under-owned, that means a lot more in a 100-player contest, or that means a lot more right. in a 1,000-player contest. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a really strong stance where, you know, I we're not saying Jalen Hurts is sneaking under anybody's radar, but, you know, at the same time, like, he's not as owned as he should be, and that's that's the game that that is DFS is, uh, you know, trying to identify some of those edges. Then how can I make a smart lineup off of that? That doesn't look exactly like every other Jalen hurts lineup in that contest. Yeah. And then this is where it's fun too, because if you do just use the baseline Sims, you are going to end up with a shit ton of Jalen hurts. The, the Sims are spitting him out as the optimal mm -hmm. captain over a quarter of the time. And so that's when you need to start thinking about where your edge is. How do you want to build your portfolio? for the game because you're it's hard which which kind of surprises me justin is and it makes sense like you said with the concentrated offense but you have to kind of bully the inputs to get chiefs 5-1 onslaughts those aren't appearing a lot otherwise yeah exactly and that's because the sims don't know who to who to go with right like i mean it's tough to find um a, a extremely chalky 5-1 chiefs build like because not only do you have to like try to nail which of the chiefs go into that build, but then also like which of the say three to four, five stud players from Philly uh, go into that lineup as well. So those things aren't super correlative. Like if you tell me that the, the chiefs are going to have a great game and a lot of players are going to get floated to the top, um, then is, does anybody like naturally come to the top of your head as being like the primary Eagle beneficiary uh, to go along with those builds? Not, not really. Um, whereas like flip that and say it the other way, uh, it's, it's five, one Eagles, you know, which, which chief comes to those bills. It was probably a lot of Kelsey. Right. So um, yeah, it just goes to show like how a really diluted target tree can impact those lineups. So um, what was our number Pete for optimal rate on, on Mahomes for captain? Yeah. 13.4%. Uh, Gotcha. Gotcha. And then in this one, I just did a one where I played the game scenario. Chiefs win 34 to 10. And then you see Mahomes pop up to Jalen Hurts levels. But it's interesting that in a close game, Jalen Hurts is at these same levels, that it takes a blowout scenario from the Chiefs for Mahomes to be the dominant captain. Yeah. And, and going back to one of your earlier examples where you're getting a lot of those defense builds um, by lowering the score total. The higher the score goes, the more touchdowns are, are getting farmed out throughout these sims. And the more touchdowns go, the, the more randomly assorted the scoring becomes. If you tell me that we are just projecting out yardage, we have a really good idea of how to project this game out. But once we start adding touchdowns, things get a lot more variable. So when you start cranking up the score for both of these teams, you're going to probably see much more diluted um, you know, lineup frequencies across your builds. So that's just another thing to kind of keep in mind. And that's, that's one of the genius things about the Ricky D lineups that we were talking about earlier is he just has to get the one thing right, which is like an underperforming game. And, and yep. once that one assumption comes true, like if he's got 150 lineups or even 50 of his 150 lineups built in that particular way, uh, he's got a great chance to build in a way not everybody wants to build using a lot less salary than most people want to do in a logical way that actually increases with a lot of frequency. So it's a really smart way to go. Okay. So as a thought experiment, say if you wanted to build like Ricky D 
using the Sims. I mean, obviously you could do what I just did and do a nine, six game. And you're going to get a ton of double D's uh, shout out mythology uh, in your lineups. How else would you go about doing it? Because this is the kickers is another kind of bugaboo for me. And one that's really hard to get right. You could see me there. I don't know if you saw, like once I had the chiefs 34, I ticked up Butker's projection. And with the Eagles only scoring 10, I manually ticked down. And this is literally me just like finessing it back of the napkin. What I think would make sense, but yeah. how would you use the Sims to play for those more weird, unlikely game flow scenarios. Yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, you do have to kind of come up to with your own conclusion as to how the script impacts the kickers. But, um, you know, the kickers are often a staple in some of those lower scoring types of lineups that win. So I would be tempted to either slightly negative or maybe even don't touch the kickers at all. And what I would do is impact that score number. And you may not even have to go crazy with impacting the score, but take those plays down by like five plays per team, the pace. So uh, when you do that, you're, you're going to generate uh, a slower game. Um, and then maybe on top of that, if you want to think about how the touchdowns are scored via the air or the ground, that might be something you want to make a stand on. Maybe not. You may want to make a stand on what the rush rate is. Uh, but if we assume that all that is going to be counterproportional across the whole thing, then you can just run it just like that with five fewer plays per team, a much lower score per team. You're going to get a lot of the yardage leaders uh, bubbling up towards the top. You probably see some pretty highly frequented lineups. Yeah, you see here in this like 10 to 6 game flow, you see the Eagles appearing in almost half of lineups, the Chiefs defense at 37%. And then you go look at the custom lineups. You're seeing Eagles, Butker, Kansas City, Eagles, uh, Eagles, Chiefs, uh, you know, basically at least a defense or kicker in all of these lineups, which is kind of just the way the math on it works, right? Where if the other guys in the same comparable salary tier aren't outscoring the defense and kickers, then those guys are necessarily going to flood optimal lineups. And the beautiful thing, Pete, look at the salary in those lineups. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's naturally not spending all the salary, which is a hard thing to get this uh, machine to do is not spend the lineups. It wants to find the best possible lineup. So it's saying that not only are those the, the best combination you can make, they're probably the five highest or excuse me, six highest scoring, you know, players on that slate uh, altogether, which is kind of neat to think about. And I do think intuitively for people, they'll get tripped up on a lineup like this and say, okay, I get this game flow scenario. It's a gross, low scoring game. The Eagles are winning it. Um, wait, how could I have the chiefs as the defense? But it is really one play. It's one pick six, one fumble recovery for a touchdown in a gross game. And the chiefs defense salary wise could easily be the optimal play. Yeah. And you're not even saying in this script that like the Eagles go nuts. Like this isn't a go nuts hurts game. This is like Devontae Smith catches the one touchdown that scored in this game. AJ Brown has, you know, six for 60 and Dallas Goddard has five for 55. And, and all of a sudden you're there because the chiefs sucked and the Eagles D got six sacks on Mahomes, And you know, that's, that's the way it all shook out. And one other fun thing you can do here, so you can query by build type. So this is playing, uh, you know, a very low scoring game that the Eagles win. But I could also say, what do five one lineups or for the Chiefs look like in this scenario? Obviously, they don't appear with the same high frequency because they're going to be scoring um, less points. But you can still see, oh, four times in these simulations, you'll get a Travis Kelsey captain and you'll get a Chiefs 
defense here, which again, in a 10-6 game, you can see so many different paths for other types of lineups winning. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, let your imagination kind of go crazy. To me, like, t- take something that you feel passionate about that could happen um, and then make some lineups that that really correlate for that as, as a smart way to go. One, one feature I think would be fun to add, Justin, is like, so you can query down by build type and then by captain, say I want um, – you know, let's do a more common one. So let's do Eagles. And then I want AJ Brown captains with five, one Eagles. Um, then to even have another flex drop down where you could keep drilling yeah. down even more for combinatorial stuff. Is this something you've thought about? Yeah, definitely. I think that's next for us. That'll definitely be an off season, uh, off season project first, for sure. Cause I think that would be fun. Cause sometimes I find, and you mentioned kind of the manual effort that goes into finding unique lineups. And to be able to drill down and one other nice thing. So if I download this CSV now, I will only get five ones with AJ Brown captain, which is a nice way if you are compiling a bunch of different Sims that are filtered down into one bigger set. Um, I like using this, but that would be the fun thing. If you're like, man, I do not think um, I'm just going to try to come up with a combo like AJ Brown and I don't know, Justin Watson are going to be a popular combination or whatever it is. And then, filter through those kind of lineups, I think might be a fun way to narrow the building process. I want to see where you are right now. Can you do a one five with a, um, with Jalen hurts as captain? I'm interested if that exists in this. Okay. Let's see. Well, that, that one's always fascinating to me The the naked captain, uh, and hurts obviously is a guy that can pull that off. Right. And so, yeah, we got three, they're barely utilized, but, and obviously we've gone very off script in our adjustments here, but um, yeah. Right. And, and this is, and then this is the part again, to kind of circle back to the problems I would run into is like, obviously this would be a very unique construction, but also with as much as Jalen hurts runs and how, you know, concentrated that offense can be sometimes, or, you know, if he rushes for 147 yards, like I think he did in that game against the Titans and, you know, he's not throwing a touchdown pass and he runs another one in or whatever, like this could definitely happen. The problem is, is I'm using the Sims to build these because this frequency is only going to show up at one as I'm kind of sorting by which lineups appear the most frequently. I'm never going to find this lineup unless I'm like digging, digging, digging. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, lots of fun with filters that you can do there. Yeah. So I I guess, how would you, like, say if you did want to bubble up Jalen Hurts 1-5 captain lineups, like, how would you go about bullying to see if you could get that frequency showing up more? Or will the math just simply not allow it? Uh, Well, why don't you go back to your inputs, Pete, and uh, let's go back to sort of the standards across the board with uh, our offensive assumptions and uh, just kind of see what pops out. I'd be interested to see if there are more. Yeah, let's uh yeah, let's rerun it. I defaulted everything back to the baseline. And this is this is also I think one of the most valuable exercises of the Sims is you push it to these extreme situations mm-hmm. and then you'll notice like holy cow, this guy's still popping as an optimal captain even when you slashed his market share. Like stuff like that really starts to jump out of. No, this guy's an objectively good play in various game flow scenarios. And it's almost like the thing we always wrestle with on main slates where you're like can I eat this chalk? This guy projects so well that can I do it? And there's like a break even point where sometimes there is a free square. You know, if a 4K running back is going to project as a bell cow, you're just going to probably need to play that guy. This kind of allows you to do that manually where you retest those assumptions under different elements. And if they keep showing up, it's like, all right, stupid. This guy's just a flat out good play. 
That's right. Yep, exactly right. The, the Cordero-Patterson principle. All right. Yeah, that's uh, the poster boy. I've run the set. So here you go. <laughs> Default uh, one five Hertz. You get this one appearing three times. Jalen Hurts, Butker, Pacheco, Jody Fortson appearance. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. I think this one would go unduped most likely. I think that's an unduped lineup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it goes under the. It doesn't fit my salary requirement, but I have a feeling like uh, construction wise, that's perfect. So um, actually, yeah, this like one that's, that's pretty thin, right? How about fifty-two hundred on the under the salary cap? One five captain and Michael fucking Burton in the lineup. There, there, you really cook it. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. So yeah, I mean, what's funny is like it does get your brain going about how many different ways a football game can go. And showdown is so tilting in that everything seems so crystal clear after the game's hat. Like, how did you not know that that was going to be the MVS game last week? How did you not know? Yeah that uh you know they were going to go back to kenneth gainwell again you know like it's everything seems so clear but then you you run the sims and you realize that we really know nothing yeah and so at for for you do you have um you I, I agree with you completely about the idea of like you know you just want good lineups and you don't really care where those are coming from or how those are sliced and diced. If you're using the Sims as your North star and then filtering down for lineups that aren't going to be super popular, going to be in good shape. But do you ever think, or like, I, I know sometimes I'll talk to Leone in his way to attack a slate. If he's going to MME is like, I just think this stack is going to be underused. And I'm going to rip in 150 with this stack. Do you ever think of a slate as like, Holy cow, this captain is just completely underowned. I'm going to 150 and lock button this captain, still running various sim scenarios, but only using that captain? Or will you always take a more holistic approach to the slate? Almost always more holistic, but a lot of times what I'll do is I usually rarely have a captain take. Usually I'll have a dust ball flex take that I, cause that's mm -hmm. where I think the, the edge is actually pronounced. Cause you start to get into territory where you might be able to win without the actual nuts. If you're talking about guys that are sub like 3% on. So, you know, if we find out that this week, you know, Justin Watson is going to be one and a half percent on and, and the Sims yeah. say he should be 6% on or something like that's, that seems like nothing, but that's four X, you know, that's, and so maybe I want to say every lineup should have Justin Watson in it, or maybe I should say every lineup should have either Justin Watson or, you know, Zach Pascal and, or whatever, like insert your, uh, sometimes I'll do like a men one dust ball lineup, uh, a rule in my lineups. Yeah. I like that. And this is, this is a similar, uh, graphic except for the captain leverage looking at the early flex leverage and again we're recording this on monday afternoon so a lot is going to change as far as you know uh practice reports for the chiefs wide receivers ownership projections all that yada yada but uh it is interesting you will see you know kenneth gainwell showing up here uh, a decent bit i think it's interesting eagles defense normally i feel like defenses are maybe over owned so i don't see them popping as leverage quite as much you do see Harrison Buck here here anything else stand out does like a Jody Fortson you know double the field uh does that start to get the uh the tingles going for you yeah a little bit right um <laughs> well, we're getting pretty far down the depth chart like you just tell yourself a story right and um you know maybe you know you get that one thing right and and you try to think about how many of these things help you tell the rest of your lineup, right? You know, maybe Jody Fortson gets you to Patrick Mahomes. Maybe it gets you off of uh, somebody he's stealing a touchdown from. Maybe it gets you off Kelsey or gets you off 
uh, Juju or someone like that. Um, but the Eagles D can actually help you tell a very compelling story because now, um, you know, you've got some sort of assumption where uh, the Chiefs are likely trailing Eagles defense is going nuts and uh, putting up, you know, a double digit point score, um, you know, getting some sacks on Mahomes. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to pair really well with, uh, you know, without the running backs from the Chiefs and with the other offensive skill players from the from the Eagles. So, yeah, I, I think I'm always interested in in guys that help me build the rest of the lineup. For sure. Um, and if you guys are in the hand builders and opto bros part of the discord, that is a private channel that gets unlocked via YouTube membership. I will post updated charts here. Um, normally I post them just before the slate locks, but you know, the big game and I'll, I'll post them a couple times throughout the week as we get changing news projections, all of that good stuff. One thing I did want to make sure we had a little time for before I let you go, Justin, and we talk some underdog stuff is the second half simulator. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think I will be using it this year, but I want you to outline it for all the DGENs, maybe some ways they could think about it. If you were like one of our commenters, I think it was Brian Ho, who said his girlfriend will be out of town and he will be firing at all the second half contests. How should people think about this sim that you do offer uh, on the site? Yeah. And, and the way you get to it, Pete, is it's right in the, the same DIY simulator, just under slates, you select the second half slate. Uh, FanDuel hasn't posted their second half or fourth quarters yet. And it looks exactly the same. You'll find it comes with exactly the same information that was there from, from pregame. And so the way to utilize this is try to make your best understanding of what's remaining uh, for, for these two teams. So obviously the pace number, pace is number of plays that we expect each team to run. Uh, the Chiefs are not going to run 57 plays in the second half. Let's go and cut that number in half as sort of a baseline. Maybe they're going to run 30 plays in the second half, right? So we would go in and modify that number. We don't think they're going to score 24 and a half points in the second half. We think they're going to score 12 points. So like the baseline is take those top, top two numbers per team, cut them in half right away. And then yeah. think about, what you know about what's happened so far in the game. If at halftime, the chiefs are down two touchdowns, like um, you either need to go ahead and decide like, all right, Mahomes gets them back. That's the story. Or the, or maybe the story is chiefs just don't have it today. Um, so you're, you're going to kind of build your lineup or build your uh, assumptions according to that. So first thing you're cutting the, the points in the plays in half, um, you're you're then going to modify the rush rate based on sort of what the scoreboard dictates. If the Eagles are up 10 points at half, then maybe that rush rate goes from 49% to like 61% or something uh, ridiculous yeah. like that. So um, you can really go crazy. Maybe you say, um, you know, based on whatever the scoreboard's telling you, does that mean that Miles Sanders is more or less likely to play? Does that mean Jalen Hurts is more or less likely to run the football? Um, does it mean that, you know, what, what, what does it mean for all these players? Did did Isaiah Pacheco twist his ankle in the first quarter and now they're leaning on Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Like, let's make it all say that. So you just go in and um, you run it exactly the same way you'd run the Sims for a full game. And then um, you're going to get, you know, all of the scoring's going to be standardized uh, across the board. Um, oh, yeah, we, we have to cut those kickers in half. I forgot to mention that. But, oh, um, yeah. So, You'll probably see a lot of kickers towards the top, but um, yeah, that kind of gives you an understanding of what to expect. It automatically scores the defenses uh, according to the contest type. So obviously second half scoring is de different for defenses 
Um, but yeah, you'll see similar names sort of towards the top of those lists, but now you're going to get lineups that are built uh, more in accordance with what that script dictates. And is your, is the thesis too, that like just the majority of people firing at these are hand building just in the lobby, just making a lineup for the second half. And so even, do you worry about duplication? Like a lot less in this scenario? There you go. So if you are tilted by having to play Jody Fortson in a 470,000 person contest and you just want to hashtag play the best plays, second half showdown is, is your avenue is what I'm hearing. That's it, baby. Uh, go in there and, and rock and roll. You can do the same thing in the fourth quarter. Um, so, um, you know, I, I love it. To me, that's fun. 50K up top for second half. Um, I forget what the prize is for fourth quarter, but it's decent. So uh, best slate of the year to utilize in-game showdown sims. Yeah. And so, again, for those of you who have not uh, gotten to poke around with Run the Sims, highly uh, recommend just taking advantage of it this week with the free week. They're also going to have um, your uh, your spring football stuff will be rolling out here soon. But it's uh, it's great practice to get in there, mess around with it. And, you know, I'm going to be doing, I think, a combination of building some lineups ahead of time just to try to get a jump on things. But the Sims will update both throughout the week and obviously after inactives as well, normally in the Discord you or Furby will let people know that the Sims are ready to go. And so that's another edge. Like if we get a random late scratch, like say at the last minute, Juju doesn't play because he re-aggravates, like that's going to present a massive, massive edge. um, Just knowing how many people will have already made their lineup. So that's always something I'm looking forward to as well. If we get a surprise and active. That's probably the one to watch. I think the rest of the week, because then all of a sudden you get some sky more, get a little bit of, uh, um, Justin Watson, uh, I think things become really fun if we get a, a, a late game and active. Hopefully, Schefter, Schefter will spoil it, though, probably. Probably, probably. Uh, anything else people should know about Run the Sims free week? Any other uh, final uh, calls here before I let you go? Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, mentioning spring football. That starts, uh, XFL starts the week after the Super Bowl. So uh, be ready. No no rest for the weary. Uh, hop right into spring football. It's $49 a month. Promo code Pete, 10% off of that. So I uh, would love to have as many uh, people as possible. You talk about grinding real edges, like spring football. There's real edges to be found there. So I would love to have as many people as possible join that community. And uh, appreciate it as always. Been a fun season, Pete. Yeah, for sure. And this is a good question. Maybe we could do a little bit of this in the Discord too sometime of sharing some screenshots. But yeah, again, another thing you can take advantage of this week, you can use the Sims to look at various prop lines, type those in, and uh, you can see where the edge is there. But I do want to get to some underdog stuff, so I'm going to bring the badge bros on. But Justin, thank you as always for swinging. Bye. Good luck uh, on the Super Bowl slate. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. All right, peace. what is up, John and Nez? How are we doing, guys? Doing good, doing good. That was some great stuff. Uh, I needed a conversation like that for these uh, these underdog drafts because my head has been spinning like all week trying to figure out <laughs> the best way to approach these. Well, it is funny because so this week for the newsletter, I, I'm writing up both a showdown strategy article. So like a lot of the stuff I had already finished is fresh in my head. And then I'm going to write up one for the underdog contest, too. And it was interesting as I was outlining the underdog one and thinking through there are a lot of similarities just with how much duplication risk is an issue in the big game of like, mm-hmm. what are the smart ways you can get unique. So is that, is that what I I'll be honest, I haven't got to consume badge bros content this week, but I assume this is a riddle you guys have been trying to crack as well. 
Very much so. But I, I think Justin brought up a really good point initially there when he was talking about how like, yes, this cons contest is like considerably bigger and the dupes are more likely, but it kind of is business as usual because like the heavily duplicated lineups are just going to be more duplicated. And I, I thought that was a really sharp point from him, but I think from our angle, I think we're a little less concerned with it because at some degree when you're chasing optimal or you're chasing like the max salary, like you've used the analogy that building these lineups is like using like 60 K of salary you do need some exposure to those extreme outliers as well. Whereas like in the DFS streets, like you can kind of get away from just being like super contrarian here. It's like way harder because you can't build out like the same correlation. Like you still need access to those top like 10, 11 pieces. Right. Yeah. So what Nez, what do you say to the people? Cause I have heard it. Like, I think most people have fallen in love with the, the battle Royale format. It's, interesting it's fun it's quick this yep. more abbreviated version and it necessarily so i mean there's only two teams so four person drafts four rounds it, you know i think it's fair to say it's not as interesting of a game but have you found it to be strategically similar to where you keep discovering new things that are fun to mess with in drafts yeah you, you definitely still can i i think that there is a big edge for those people who have a lot of like i have a lot of time so I'm, and even if I was still in, in my office job, I, I still would like track my, a lot of my teams that I would draft, but because this is only like, like you said, a super flex contest, it's really easy to track every single draft that you do and make sure that you don't dupe, dupe yourself or tell yourself that if you run into a lineup that you're duping a lot, maybe you really like this lineup. So you're like, whatever, like, let me just get the extra leverage because of the way a lot of teams are going to look in, in these contests. So definitely an edge in tracking your tracking your lineups and uh th there's different approaches to this that i would take if i was max entering or doing just like a handful mm -hmm. um with a handful you know obviously getting crazier but with tracking your lineups uh and you do like 100 to 150 i really think that you minimize the loss that you can take i've done this a lot and you really like like if you are okay with eating like a 200 loss like at, at worst like i honestly that's the figure i've been throwing out there i think that you're not going to lose a lot of money and you have a potential to win a lot as well, obviously. So I, I really like doing that. Yeah. And that, and that is the thing we talked about that with battle Royales too. Like if you are going to rip a bunch of these, so we're, we're of course referencing the, you know, underdog has a few different um, price points for these contests. Uh, the big game is the one that has 50,000 up top 38,000 entries, um, four person drafts, four rounds. It is super flex includes kicker and defense. One of the rare underdog contests that will no include, defense or sorry, no defense. Maybe they yeah. should do defense. Um, one of the, we've talked about it. Includes kickers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to have another, cause I think when you do introduce defense, same with showdown, right? It adds more game flow scenario and build mm -hmm. scenario types. Cause how do you think about that? Because with four, we always talk about telling a story. It's just harder to tell a four-person story. Whereas like Max Chaos, like under various scenarios, like the same four-person cohort could get there in completely different game environments. Yeah, I mean like the lineup that won the NFC title game one was a four-running back build. So it's like Christian McCaffrey and then three Eagles running backs. So if you want to <laughs> go talk that about far, Max Chaos, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. If you want to go that far and introduce those levels of like, because there's so much variance in the game of football, like 
introducing defense to these contests makes a lot of sense in the future. But I mean, they've done a beautiful job to getting to this point because prior to this, like when it was still half PPR, when there were no quarterbacks in it, it when it was just flex spots, like it, it, it wasn't the same. And now throwing the kickers in, throwing this, like the fact that they've done so much in just a calendar year to get this contest to this point, like, I I mean, I commend Underdog greatly because this is a considerably better contest than we had in like week one of this year for like opening weekend kickoff. Right. Yeah. So what, what have been the ways, it, it sounds like you guys are approaching it more from a portfolio standpoint, but if you did want, if you're only going to do a few of these and you weren't going to be able to tack it from a volume standpoint, what would be the rules of thumb that you guys would try to execute as far as giving yourself a path, a realistic path to not a massively duplicated first place finish? Now, should I say it or should you? You, you, well, I don't know that we're, we're aligned, but go, you go first. You, you, I know you have some thoughts. Scroll the F down. Scroll the F down. <laughs> like, just get weird with it and put Jody Fortson with Justin Watson or put Clyde Edwards Alaire with, Kadarius Tony and Juju as like Q tags, like get jump into stuff that other people are afraid to do. If I'm only building five of them, I'm not concerned what I'm giving up to other people in the same room. And I'm flipping the board at the front end and I'm taking, you know, Kelsey at the one zero one or AJ Brown at the one zero one, because if either of those guys are the high scoring guys in this game, I mean, nobody's going to, nobody's going to fault you or think, think otherwise. It's like, that's not a crazy outcome. Right. So just mm-hmm. by doing that, you create like a crazy point of leverage um, from. The, yeah. And as as we say that, you, you still take Jalen Hurts here. And <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm just so getting, the, getting the screen up here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, but there are there are ways you can differentiate at all corners mm-hmm. of the draft. Right. Like the other way I think about it is if you get a guy who slides that normally doesn't slide, like that's something to take advantage of as well. Like I had a draft where Travis Kelsey fell to four, which normally doesn't happen. So it's like, Oh, I'm going to build a Travis Kelsey, AJ Brown knowing, yes, will that appear across the, the, the entrance for sure. But that not near of an, a rate. And then knowing now I only have to do one extra thing different the rest of the draft. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I scrolling the F down, I would do kind of caution against going, going too far in like a four person, but, it, but it does make sense, right. To get just extremely, extremely, unique and i think you could tell yourself well if you want to make this for me this pick is like miles sanders (laughs) yeah so well this is another thing where again this is going to be a very frequented start right because devonta and goddard Mm -hmm. are a lot of times going to be completely off the board sometimes you get what a lot of goddard with hertz will be there Mm -hmm. but sanders is going to be like the backstop for most hertz drafters if they don't have another eagle Getting Goddard with Hertz is definitely tough because normally he goes 101. Um, but 102, then yeah, you're you're more apt to get him. There'll be a few. And like you said, just like eating like how much duping you're gonna expect. Right. And so now this is I think this would go more to kind of what John's saying. So I just scrolled down, I took Quez Watkins. I'm skipping over this path, knowing most drafters in this scenario are gonna take one of these Chiefs, probably Pacheco McKinnon or Schuster, and now maybe I go with another thin chief. Maybe I grab my Sky Moore, my Justin Watson, and just know, all right, this build isn't entirely illogical. I gave up, what, four to five percentage or four to five projected points probably going from, like, Judy to Justin Watson, but this lineup will be duplicated far, far less than the other one. Exactly. It's going to – it kind of – thinking about how many dupes like you can expect for it to be for like the most duplicated lineup. I've been trying to put like a figure on it and think about what like that prize would look like. I don't know, John, if you've thought about it much, 
what do you do you think it would be like upwards of like 200 to 250 for like the most duplicated lineup as far as how many times that most duped lineup appears i think it'd be higher than that if it was like a completely uh in line with adp combination so if it was like from the four hole and it would be like aj brown plus Devontae smith and then kenneth gainwell and then tack on whichever chief wide receiver that's still there more routinely, which would be like Tony or Juju based on how ADP is right now. But mm-hmm. I think if like something like that was the optimal, it'd be duped like 5k plus time. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so crazy. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, it is very interesting conversation to have in like that regard where it's like you're, you're either building a portfolio or you're building like five single bullets. It's a sunk cost. And you're just chasing like some crazy, crazy outlier because those crazy outliers, they're they're going to be duped as well by like the the heavy volume players. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And it, but there's and again, like I was saying, you know, the same way we think about like correlation on a massive like twelve game slate, say DraftKings um, Classic, you know, that correlation is helping you get less things right. Whereas this is almost the opposite for me. Like I've been doing some where I take Hertz with three chiefs or Mahomes with three Eagles knowing most people instinctively are going to want to stack, but we also know that these guys can spread the ball around and it can concentrate around them. Hertz obviously rushing a ton, but just being like, what are semi-logical constructions that people won't naturally feel comfy selecting? Hertz plus three, uh, Hertz plus three chiefs where both chiefs are the running backs is like probably my favorite build right now. Yeah. What about you, Nez? Uh, I like right now, I think that there's some value in grabbing both Juju and Tony with your last round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we get a full participation of practice from either of those guys, um, we we would see them probably vault to like the late third. And, and, and then you would then have some pretty unique lineups. It's just a matter of if and when that happens. And it, and it might not ever happen. I mean, these guys do seem pretty legitimately banged up, but – if Tony, I, I like taking Tony a lot in these last rounds. We're gonna have way too much Kadarius Tony just because I think if he is healthy and he is fully participating, like like I said, I think he jumps up to that eight nine pick because or that seven ten pick because these Chiefs or these Mahomes drafters are just desperate for for a stack partner. Yeah, yeah, no, it it is true, and you can see here too, like this ADP. These first six picks, or I guess you could even say seven, like these, it, it seven, rarely yeah. does not. I mean, sure, you might have Smith go ahead, AJ Brown, or Goddard go after Smith, or whatever. But like these seven, there's a clear teardrop in the caliber of player you're getting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which um, will be very interesting from underdog side to see what they do when they do fall out of order. Right. And you end yeah. up with some Mahomes, Kelsey, or you end up with like some AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, because traditionally those would be thrown out in a contest that looks like this, but who knows this week? Yeah, what it, that is the thing too. And I saw someone in the chat asking about that. Do we really think there are not going to be any Hurts Mahomes lineups? Mm-hmm. What is your take on this? Because that is one of the feedback I get the most about these drafts, is if like the one person gets the right combination that 99% of other drafters don't have access to, then that obviously becomes the dominant front runner build. I mean, I always use this distinction where like, I don't think anything in these contests should be thrown out unless there's like clear cut collusion. And I'm kind of on an Island when I say that, but I've said it a lot now. 
And uh, my thought process with that is like, it's to the drafters benefit who are playing volume to draft some late night, 2 a.m. Saturday night with, with the booze bags in there. It's not, it take advantage of these situations. It's all part of the game theory associated with like the game. It's the game within the game, right? It's like, when, when you're playing poker back in the day, if you if you take advantage of the drunk guy, is the money worth any less than the money that you won <laughs> against the sober guy? No, right? So for me, it's kind of like I'm a big proponent of zero interference and everything's good unless there's blatant collusion with like two known IP addresses or two known accounts. But I know I'm in the major- minority in saying that. And I think most people like the underdog rule right now where it's like if this combination occurs less than a percentage of a time, subject for review and then they they are subjective within their decision making there so i see it both ways for me it doesn't deter me from playing because i know underdog will do the right thing regardless of what that is and be uniform in their decision making it won't be entirely subjective in terms of like well we let some hurts and mahomes stay and others not so i'm not as worried about it as the traditional consumer would be but maybe that's because i'm you know deep down the rabbit hole already right (laughs) well and sometimes the combinations that you'll get and you know we see donovan saying how did i get you know smith brown goddard pacheco or these combinations it's because there's a volume drafter you know who Mm -hmm. is messing up their portfolio because they don't want 150 set all drafted within you know a delta of one of the adp and so then you're like holy cow i got this cool you know, thing. So that dynamic, it ebbs and flows in both directions. Um, some drafts, you're the one that's like, oh, this is a pleasant surprise. I don't have a lot of this combination. Sometimes you're the one going out of your way and you're hemorrhaging value to another drafter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it's yeah. a tough balance. I do, I, I will say, I, I do like that they investigate these drafts as heavily as they do. I think that's, that's honestly like why people really enjoy Underdog mm-hmm. is that like with, other sites that are doing drafts like they just don't give a shit at all so so like to john's point if somebody innocently gets a double quarterback i do think that it's smart to to like disqualify that just because even if it isn't illegal it just that that to me just feels like one of those scenarios that are just like that is just so unfathomable to to have happened by anybody that has that is that is like critically thinking through these contests is like real like really like you're gonna pass up on both quarterbacks to take uh, Miles Sanders, right? Like even using my thought experiment. So if the let's say the one takes uh, Hertz and then the two passes on Mahomes and then the three passes on Mahomes and then I'm sitting there at four and I'm able to get say a Mahomes Kelsey or a Mahomes AJ Brown, a combo that is basically impossible for me to get. Otherwise, I'm doing cartwheels because I'm like, holy cow, this is gonna, you know, be one of my only chances to get this combo. So it is, it is a thin use case to let that come all the way back around to the 101. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I do think I do think and hope that they let and I don't have any of these supreme stacks, but we have people in their in the Discord that have like Mahomes Kelsey teams. And if they like and like what John said in that point, like if that and obviously these were innocently done, then I think those ones can stand. But it, to me, it's like when when the two quarterback happens, that's when like I draw the line. That's when I want a little yeah. little censorship in my contest. Yeah, this is this is the only reason I wonder if defenses would just again just give us one added thing in there to uh, mm-hmm. to draft just to make it a little bit more interesting. Here's another just spitballing. I know you guys like to think about different game types or how to make this more interesting. What if you had every player had a first half copy and a second half copy? 
Mm, that's fun. Ooh. You were Draven, AJ Ooh. Brown, first half, AJ Brown, second half. That would be fun. I was thinking too, if you had like your first round was like a captain, but like QBs are only 1.2 X while position players are 1.5 X in the first thinking like okay. how that, how that could, that might be too much for, for like a, a contest, but just trying to think about ways to make it different. Yeah, it kind of takes away the draft element, but that would be cool if there was like, oh, if you want to take four four X multipliers and you just have Justin Watson, Sky Moore, Quez Watkins, and fucking Jody Fortson, like knock yourself out because if two of them score, the oh, multiplier that would be might interesting. Be good yeah, enough. right. Yeah, yeah. If they're like they're weighted. Yeah, like like a handicap. That now 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 we're cooking. Now we're cooking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We um, discussed uh, first and second half quarterback too like only the quarterback position, but then everybody else is there. But I think I like your idea better with the two because you can paint some game script stuff where it's like you get the quarterback that gets out and running in the first half and you pair first half receiver with first half quarterback and then second half running back or second half defense plus running back. Like you could get, yeah, you could get pretty creative with it. I like that. Because then the lineup, like say you did just double it and you had eight rounds or whatever, and then you're building out some really interesting game flow scenarios uh oh, with yeah. that where you know you you have you you take all first half uh i don't know like you could pair you know first half eagles pass catchers and then take second half eagles running backs you know right. playing like a blowout yeah. game script or vice versa that that could be fun yeah um frank doing the idea that uh um you know individual <laughs> idp man i mean that's where you lose me that's where you always lose me <laughs> um have you guys you guys firing on it at any uh, any pickums here? You guys got any uh, any strong takes? You just stick into the draft streets. I hit my uh, picture I this. Wait. Oh, oh god! <laughs> <laughs> I keep giving this scenario the play action first play. Justin Watson. I love the Justin Watson first reception prop right now. They won't. Even oh, just on just know. on other books. Yeah. Yeah. Just on other stuff. Haven't done, uh, we haven't done the higher lower stuff on the stream yet, but we intend to do so kind of holding out there just in terms of like inactives and what we're going to see, um, there actually Pete, before you do this though, I wanted to speak on one thing with yeah. the contest. We didn't take any kickers in that, but I do think yeah. I would tell people look at the kicker scoring. It's not your traditional DFS. There's minus two for the mixed extra mix missed extra point and minus one for missed field goals i don't think the floor is as as safe as people um are are uh, assuming it is right now and then all field goals are three points except for the 50 yarder which is four which is distinctly different than on DraftKings, where it's five for over 50 and there's none of these minus bonuses. So I do think the perceived floor of the kickers, if you want to paint that game script, is not nearly as high as as we would traditionally assume it to be. So I've kind of just in a vacuum been fading kickers. Um, you know, I, I, I do mix in builds, obviously, with them, but relative to the field, I'm going to be considerably underweight at the kicker slot. Yeah, and because they're what their ADPs, they're coming, they're getting drafted in what like ninety five percent of contests, probably. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it, and I think that a lot of that early was uncertainty around the Chiefs' wide receivers, and now we're slightly seeing that flip, um, which is probably correct in my mind. But I think they were thrust up initially uh, a little too high. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point too. And we've, we've talked about that before with just general battle Royale ADP of like, sometimes shit just get anchored at the beginning of the mm. week. And then it takes like too big of a title shift to, to move that ADP to an actual efficient standpoint, because everyone's just like, yeah, this is where the kickers go. So I guess I'll just take them here. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I didn't mean to skip over this either. Are there any other kind of topics or are you guys making any distinctions for the you know goal line stand hail mary where it's obviously higher entry but but less um less people in the contest are there any differentiators for you there not for me as i play these for me it's just like the big game that's where i really need to like put on my galaxy brain hat and get nuts and then everything else for me is just like trying to bat trying to draft the best team i can with my first three picks and then maybe with my fourth pick if I don't have like a, a nice like player that fell, get a little crazy with with pick number four. But otherwise, for my money, uh, I'd rather play it safe in, in those other contests outside the big game, especially like the double up and triple ups. You been grinding the uh, the cash games? <laughs> I did a cu- I did a couple, and uh, just doesn't doesn't hit the same, you know, knowing that I'm <laughs> drafting for for ten dollars. So I have gave some thought to like auto drafting them. But I tried and I ended up with like the same. It, it, I just like duped myself a bunch. I'm like, I don't know how much I really want to put on this like one lineup that keeps happening over and over for like like double the money. I so I, I haven't been touching it too much, but I'm, I'm surprised that people really people really like those double ups though. They they feel pretty fast. Well, I mean, have you seen a lot of the player pool on underdog? A lot of people draft best ball mania teams like fucking double ups. So you know, people people <laughs> love. <laughs> building the safest possible lineup that doesn't surprise me but it is like a little it's it's less interesting right because it is probably gto to stick to adp mostly Mm -hmm. in that environment and then it's like how many times can you draft the same four round lineup off of adp and and feel alive do you maybe pull up the rankings real quick and let's just look at adp like just in general because I want to get your thoughts on this because we've talked a little bit about how like like points of leverage, like where's a point of leverage just looking at ADP where you think we could get like exploitative over the field and see it. And one of the big ones for us was the Kansas City backfield and like taking Mm. like a distinct stand. And we saw ETR's rankings come out and they started with Pacheco well ahead. And now ETR's Mm. rankings have flipped, but the ADPs haven't flipped and we were kind of team McKinnon from the jump, just in general. We saw that Pacheco usage tick up last week with the five receptions, over 60% of snaps, this and that. I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Do you have a lean in the backfield? Because I think it's a really nice point of leverage where you can get McKinnon at three points of a discount right now and just kind of be like, I'm Xing out Pacheco and that's where I can get heavy overweight. Yeah, I do think the backfield, it is a bit of a, a mind fuck in that, you know, Pacheco playing so many third downs last game, it's like really given me pause. He continues to kind of struggle as a runner, but if he's going to be on the field for those pass catching snaps, it's concerning. And yet we just know that McKinnon's ceiling, it's a provable ceiling that we've seen play out where he can put up 30 points, you know, in these spots because he's so much more dynamic around the catch and even more dynamic, I think in the red zone. So if, yeah, if the market is going to maybe overvalue this recent sample with Pacheco, I think I am on, on team McKinnon in that case, but I'm obviously spooked just because that usage, how Mm -hmm. the other element here though, is CEH, you know, being called up. I imagine Mm -hmm. our boy Rojo is inactive. I mean, CEH could have like a decent role here and it wouldn't be that surprising. I know. 
and he's buried. Yeah. I uh, I did five before the show, and I drafted CEH in all of them. Um, that being said, it is cautionary tale because people with Hardman right now will get the swap to CEH if they so choose. So in theory, he could already be drafted like 80% of the time, and it doesn't represent as much leverage as we think it does right now or could potentially right now. But like, I don't think it'd surprise anyone if CEH comes out on first down. Like, you know, they win the toss, they, they, or they lose the toss, uh, they catch the ball and, or they catch the kickoff, come out and CEH is in the backfield. Like, would that be crazy? Like, I, no, I don't know. And <laughs> the other thing in these contests too, and it's the old uh, siege thing with showdown of backup quarterbacks. I mean, when you are only drafting mm-hmm. four, like you can play four scenarios where a guy gets hurt. You know, if, mm-hmm. if Pacheco were to go down or McKinnon, and then all of a sudden, you know, CEH is playing a ton, like in these kind of drafts, I don't think it's you're punting money on fire from an EV perspective to build through some of those scenarios especially at the $5 entry point when there's like so much up top, like 50 K for five bucks. Like if you just wanted to run like a quick EV calc of putting in like a, a Gardner Minshew lineup, you, yeah. you, you probably lit $4 and 65 cents on fire. Like, <laughs> yeah. So what? <laughs> I mean, like yeah. honestly, right? Like if you're going to fire five lineups, like why not just, I, I played, I think I played 12 Chad Henney lineups last week. Because it was yeah. just kind of like range of outcome with a guy who's or two weeks ago with his ankle uh, all banged up. Like, why not? Um, it, and that's know. not I even think... like an act of God scenario. That's like, holy cow, Mahomes literally is one rollout away from not being able to walk on his ankle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we almost saw it come to fruition on the, when he came limping back, when he rolled out left there and then went to the sideline and came limping back. And it was like. Not that, you know, you're cheering for anything like that, of course, but like just like within range outcomes, it was like, oh, yeah, he is still quite hurt. <laughs> uh, something to flesh out for if you guys are new to this, one of the dynamics John was mentioning is if you do draft a player who ends up not playing, you aren't getting uh, a zero at that spot. You're getting uh, a guy, a substitute in that wasn't drafted. You can manually set your ranks to determine who you want to get to replace them. But I'm curious on that, John, do you know how that works with say the CEH thing is the, I'm wondering who the default people will get that don't go set their ranks. Is that from the ADP set at the beginning, at the point of the contest or at the close of the contest, close of the contest close. So that's why CEH could get steamed up and be the default swap for most people who aren't setting it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if that doesn't happen, then they're looking at like Justin Watson, Quez Watkins or Noah Gray, obviously, which Mm -hmm. would be cool. (laughs) <laughs> but but I, I think it's uh it, it, the steam will come yeah and so then if it does then that introduces another dynamic of then do you go manually set justin watson or whoever now isn't appearing as the default swap quite as much although he still would have been drafted in a, in a bunch so i don't know how much of an edge there is there i do like getting different um, though for sure if i have a swap like try to try to get heavy leverage off of that player just a matter of who tell me how far else. What's the, how far have you scrolled down? Tell me the name furthest down that you have selected. Have you taken a, a fullback Michael Burton uh, falling into the end zone? I mean, I feel like Burton is the farthest you could go. Once, if you try to tell me you've drafted an Ian Book or Devin Allen team, I, I am going to tell you, you, you set $5 on fire. God, no. I, I haven't even gone that far yet. I've gone Jack Stoll. I've gone okay. Rojo. I went Rojo before the CEH. Um, no Blake Bell yet, but I will. 
I will have one. <laughs> I, I will. I will. I, I will I have. Promise. I will have. Uh, I think I'll have two or three Blake Bell teams. Um, yeah. Yeah. Chat. Mike. Mike put in that Zach Pascal. I got a couple of Zach back Pascals. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I don't I mean, think it, that's. I don't think that's too far at all. And just to give you, like, again, not I mean, they're different game types, different scoring settings, of course. But even just like messing around with the Sims and seeing the guys that are popping up, like we saw Michael Barton lineup, we saw a Jody Fortson yeah. lineup. You'll see plenty. Zach Pascal was showing up in some of the most frequented optimal lineups, and these are guys who Zach Pascal is getting drafted in. What would you say, fifteen percent of these or less? less? Way less. less. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, Pascal is probably one of the best scroll down ones, and he's not going to get steamed in the way CEH will. Agreed. Yeah, not yeah. at all. I mean, he played thirty five percent of snaps last week. I mean, that's not like that's a viable yeah. player. I mean, he, he might have played the same as Boston Scott. <laughs> uh, do do any of you guys? Yeah, someone mentioning their mitt and returns team. Does anyone have any fun final sweats? I do not. Nope, no. I got. I have a. I have two teams left, and they're both dead. So I'm just hoping that the amount of dead teams like reaches the next cash level, so we get a little bit more than uh, than a min cash. Maybe like twenty <laughs> bucks from from not doing anything in the in the gauntlet would be would be cool. I was, yeah, I was sweating. I had some good teams left, but obviously uh, none came through. It was that Purdy injury, man. That just God. I was I was Dude, such. Yeah. I, I was so bummed on Sunday, just on my couch, just just. See so you, upset. John. Nope, I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, uh, I had, uh, what do I have? I have a Casey two here. That was a bro team. So I have, uh, Kelsey and Pacheco dead, uh, mitten four team two Philly, AJ Brown and Sanders dead. And the original mitten, I do have three KC here, uh, McKinnon MBS and Kelsey, but also dead. So no, no fun sweats, but it was about the friends we made along the way. Right guys. Hey, we, we, we tried to build for the scenario. Let, let, let the record show that we, we tried our damnness to nail this Super Bowl. It just, uh, just didn't get ugly enough, I guess. There was really one of the didn't. drafts that we did early with us that we tried to do the double by week one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Remember that? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so bad, but, 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 yeah. then, but it's what you needed. It's it, the, the thesis will hang our hat. Yeah. On that. You, I know it, it, it is funny too. Cause I, uh, you know, I just ended up kind of my strategic angle. And I think we talked about it too, where it was like, you know what, I'm going to draft all studs. And if the Bengals and the Niners and those teams make the Super Bowl, I'm going to have, you know, loaded games, but I'm just not going to, you know, do all my drafts taking Kenneth Gainwell and Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal. And so, uh, that was, that was my death wish. And, uh, Apparently they those guys got bailed out too because like the Gainwell and the MBS the guys just tacking them on those guys oh, yeah. each ended up like Gainwell would have single handedly advanced you one round and MBS would have single handedly advanced you one round most likely <laughs> yeah yeah and they got Basically. and with their their backup quarterbacks that they need like Danny Dimes like having a great round one Dak like so many like Dak carried so many teams in like it just it really laid out perfectly for them so hats off yeah. It might be interesting to like juxtapose last year with this year of how many teams got carried by Gabe Davis versus how many teams got carried by Gainwell and MVS because they would have been later drafter, drafted and lower owned but had a greater impact even though the raw point score wasn't as high. Does that make sense? Yep. Like just in terms of like unique points. So it'd be really fun if someone like, I don't think I'm smart enough to do it, but like if someone could look at uh, the last year's advance rates versus this year's advance rates and then 
I don't know, kind of like filter out the noise for the rest of it and see the difference. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like because it would it would really illustrate the value of unique points scored in a week by week advancing format. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was, you know, that ended up being the kind of like the push pull of all those drafts too, right? Where you're like, I want to take a guy who safely projects for a big role that I know can advance me when you're staring at MVS and Gainwell and you're saying, what are the odds that this guy actually, yes, if you get to the Super Bowl, could they be the unique piece? Absolutely. But can they really single-handedly advance you? I maybe underweighted that possibility continually kind of passing over those guys. Well, I mean, we did it on stream once too, even when we were building out that Philly one. And we still passed on Gainwell because we were like, Asimaj P. Ryan's got a better way to push us through. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> said exactly that. Uh, uh, yeah. No, he doesn't, apparently, I guess. You know, I mean, um, these, these back-to-back comments from A-Trade really su- summarize it. Biggest edge in playoffs had to be building for this game exactly until all my teams were dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. That that's perfectly articulated. Uh, Terrence, uh, nitpicking me here he's calling teams with live players dead i mean dead for first place which is uh what we play for around here so yes uh yes i will get a couple of points uh there and eke out a couple more min caches it ended up being a profitable uh playoff contest for me i think just because nice. i advanced so many teams because of my my jags builds uh but yeah it would be fun to be live uh for first place in one of these for sure have you seen um, anyone like community wise, like that you know or whatever that has like a really nice like live sweat with Silas? Like, eight... Silas has a sick team. Oh, Silas really? nice. has a sick one. Um, Nomar, who's a, a ship chasing VIP, he is extremely mm-hmm. live to win the big mitten. It's basically him and one other team that can field full rosters, and I'd even oh. give him like a slight Ooh. edge. Like I think he's like I don't know fifty five percent chance to to win the big mitten, wow. which is pretty sick. sweet. What, yeah. what would you sell that for right now? I know. Well, that's what I was like. I was like, would you, I was like, if, if I recognize like the username, right. And be like, Hey, do mm-hmm. you want to just even just do like uh, a chop on like one, two, like finishes, like it's an exact, I finish first, you finish second or second and first, which it seems like the most likely. Um, although mm-hmm. the, the payout structure for first and second on that, when he shared the screenshot, it actually looked pretty smooth. It was the gap down to third. That was more uh, <laughs> catastrophic, which is a good position if you're one of the top two teams. Yeah, I think that one was like forty to first, I believe. I can't. Yeah, I can't quite remember. Yeah, for the big yeah. one. Yeah. Um. Yes, it would be sick to be live for first uh, BBM four. Yeah. Um. Uh, are <laughs> Are you guys like? Are your bodies and minds ready to draft uh, 2023 teams on Friday night like I am? Oh my god, I I'm, I might let everybody else have the fun. I really wow. need, I need, need, I need a break. Like, I need a deep, I need a little bit of a detox. Just, just a little bit. I love, um, I, I love the, I love the big board. It, you can get some really awesome teams with the big board. If you do your homework with some of these wide receiver and obviously running back ADPs, but uh, I, I, I need a detox, but I am curious since uh, you were like, you were on Brees Hall, like that, that should have hit. Uh, where, where are you thinking for Bijan Robinson and his, and like his ADP? Like, where do you think that solidifies? Ooh. And, and on underdog because the hype on underdog i think people that like compared to ffpc people really buy that a little bit yeah more here i think it's going to be it's definitely going to be higher right because one i think people view Bijan as a better prospect than Brees hall in two and obviously this was pre-landing spot but then like the jets landing spot really kept him in mm-hmm. check i think people will view 
Bijan closer to how they view Jonathan Taylor coming into the league. And I don't, I know he was like a, what, an early third round pick for most of that draft season at a rookie. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him as like a two, three turn. I saw Davis did an FFPC industry draft and took Bijan at the late first. So um, I think he's going to go in the first, man. I think eventually, think, he'll, yeah. I think he's going to, I think he's going to go late first. Yeah. I think it's once we get a landing spot, I think it's like Zeke Saquon all over again. Like mm-hmm. where it was like they started end of the first round and they finished at like 105, 105. Like, I mean, the prevalency of like alpha wide receivers now is probably like too insane for him to get past like 109. But I imagine mm-hmm. him settling in that like 109 through like 204, 205. Like the only the only pushback I will give is that people are still so fucking sensitive to landing spot. And if they can tell themselves mm-hmm. some kind of gross committee story they will freak out about it. I mean, everyone knew fucking Brees Hall was a gam and they still got spooked by Michael Carter and Zach Wilson. It like wasn't going to matter until he got hurt. Whereas the Zeke and Barkley stuff, I mean, those guys were stepping into super clean situations. Unless I'm misremembering. Mm-hmm. I don't remember like no, any you're projectable, right. you know, timeshare stuff for those guys off the rip. So I don't know. It just depends. Like, will a team, you know, you either get, I do agree. Like if he goes to the bills or something where I've seen him mocked, I mean, people are going to be frothy for that, but I could see some scenarios where he goes to an established, like even with just a Michael Carter esque back and people will be like, Oh, I'm too scared. Like he's not gonna, you know, but maybe people are just so hype on Bijan that it doesn't matter. I think the NFL GMs yeah. might be too. I know that they've kind of like come to like full circle with like, uh, maybe that's not the right term, but like to realizing that running backs don't need a first round draft pick. But I wonder if B- there's probably a GM out there that says, that sees Bijan's like, you know what? Like I need him in, in the first. He's different. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. What do you guys think is like a clean or a, like a fun landing spot for him that's not just like Bills? Cowboys. Ravens. Ravens. Yeah, Ravens would be sick, but mm-hmm. I think it, it, he goes to UT. Bring him, bring him to Jerry World. People would go yeah. nuts if he if he's oh, a cowboy. Right. And like, and the thing is, like, now that I've been in Dallas for a little bit, I they would love it. Is the thing the, the fans would love it if Bijan came here. They wouldn't even be mad about a running back in the first. They would be thrilled. Like, I'm te- no, it's like the <laughs> they want to run the draft. ball, man. <laughs> well, it's like well, especially you know, with that- Shoddy and. And uh, McCarthy calling oh, plays yeah. now. They just want to establish the shit hilarious. out of it with all three of those running backs. <laughs> Nothing yeah. would be funnier than the Cowboys drafting Bijan and then just having him on like the 30 side of a 70 30 split with Zeke. Like oh, that would be God. the funniest shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so. Everybody would. <laughs> that's quite fantasy. That would be uh, incredible. Yeah, but we'll just get at the goal line every time. God. Keep Zeke on the punt team. Um, yeah i so i'm gonna be doing i need to i think i might uh i need to like start sharing out some like private draft links because i need to get a few uh reps in i'm going to be drafting i think it's going to be the the kickoff big board draft on friday i'll be in arizona with the underdog peeps they're going to be streaming that um i feel like pretty comfortable with my draft muscle but i need to uh brush up on these rookies for sure because i can name like five of them right now is the entire house, is it like 11 others that are drafting with you? Or are you just like kicking off the first one with a handful of them? I guess. I believe with, with it's r- the latter. Randoms, plus random. I, like, I think it will be one. I don't know how they're doing it tech wise, but I got the impression that there's going to be like five or six of us. And then uh, who knows, maybe some people will be able to, uh, to sneak into the uh, the draft with the idiot streamers who may or may not be uh, pounding Modelo's before the draft. So come get in on that EV. <laughs> they just got the big red go live I'll- button and then they just press it and then it's and then it's there. 
like a, I was like saying a, to yeah. Nez the other day, I was like, I'm just buying a flight and I'm just showing up. I'm just knocking at you the should. door with a 12 case. I'm just, I'm going to be there. And he's like, no, man, you can't just show up. I was like, you tell me to leave. I, I got, I got beers for everybody. I think they're low key anticipating you. Like we got to save a room. Cause John's going to freaking show at our front door eventually. So <laughs> yeah. save, give him a cot in the, in the backyard. <laughs> Rudman is actually, he's going to be in camo and like kind of like an Eagle's nest perch on the house. Just keeping an eye out for Warner trying to infiltrate the premises. <laughs> it's too accurate. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh yeah, it should be, should be a good time. Uh, I will be take, taking off on Thursday which was part of the reason why I wanted to get this show in uh, this week. Cause I wasn't going to be able to do my usual Friday hodgepodge stream. What is your guys's uh, programming schedule for the week? John, are we, we, I think we're Monday, Friday. We'll probably do some more football, yep. but we've been uh, focusing on like, like a lot of hoops, a lot of like the daily stuff. Um, and then like slowly building up the, the baseball contest, but with the, uh, with the big game being Sunday, we'll definitely be sneaking in some uh, some draft stuff uh, on on the show, and yeah, there's uh, a couple. Chipsy, I've seen your cry. I've already I've already committed. John has it in writing that I will be doing a baseball draft at some point. Let me just get past the Super Bowl. Let me get home, uh, and yes, I will. I will dabble. I, I would also like to do a, a, a puck draft with our guy DJ. Uh, oh yeah, here one of these days. Oh, yeah. I owe him that as well. So yes, you guys can get me dabbling in these drafts and you can laugh at me as I i'm picturing i'm picturing a uh, ship chasing type effect when you guys uh like shifted the adp in 2021 with uh with the wide receivers i'm, I'm picturing yeah. something like that with baseball we just all of a sudden the tournament just fills in like in two weeks Should after we just, that well what's gonna yeah. be the what's gonna be the piss boys purple we're gonna go well, pitchers well, well, early. Yeah, well, piss boys still applies to baseball because there's outfield. There's a run on outfielders, Pete, and they're they're yellow what, as well. So, uh, so what's the equivalent of zero RB in in baseball drafts? Zero infield, which is another green mm-hmm. position. Okay, <laughs> so you're green. I, I love. I'm legitimately, you know, uh, would I just dive headfirst into baseball drafts without being, you know, influenced by premier influencers? But the excitement around these baseball drafts, seeing it on Twitter obviously in the bad for us channel and the deposit kingdom discord, which if for some reason you guys aren't in the deposit kingdom discord hop in there, all kinds of good best ball talk going on there. Um, yes, I, I am intrigued. I am intrigued. And I have been, I've been feeling a void in my life as I, you know, I carry my daughter around, I'm soothing her and I'm needing to occupy my time as she falls asleep. And for a while I had all those playoff drafts and it was glorious. Now I'm sitting around here and I, I need something. And you're telling me that these baseball drafts could be, could be my fix. Oh, they could. A hundred percent. One hundred percent they could be your fix. They're so fun. And you honestly, Pete, like the basis of knowledge for baseball, like you would think it would be like further or deeper than football because like there's so many more players and there's all this sort of thing. If you just build like sound structured rosters, like it's pretty hard to go wrong in baseball because the floor on almost everyone is so much higher than in football, right? Like in football, you're taking players in like the 18, 19, 20 round where it's just like, this guy might just be a flat zero all season long. And I need to have like a lean or some leverage here. The guys that you draft in those late rounds of baseball, like, they're more or less pretty flat and they're all going to contribute. It's just kind of like which gets home harder. So if you just Mm -hmm. go with like the stacking principles, the build principles, and we're going to be doing a whole bunch of these series. um, We got to keep a couple things, uh, you know, the lid on a couple things right now, but starting uh, February 24th, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of that stuff with like the, 
baseline barrier to entry and then go from there and do like kind of series with like the crossover between football and baseball to get people comfortable with these streets because they're fun as hell and you don't have to be a baseball fan to like love and appreciate drafting right oh yeah um i'm very intrigued and you can further intrigue me i haven't looked at the the structure of the tournament but would it be possible for me to make a video that says week 169 is all that matters is week that week 28 we, we still call it's it week 17 <laughs> but i think it's week yeah, 28 yeah. and and pete yeah. there literally is like exact principles that apply to this i swear to god there's are you familiar you, you know coors field you you grew up in denver right so you're I, I, i'm familiar with coors field not from growing up in denver or being a rockies fan in the blake street bombers but because i'm familiar with the reference the coors field of the nfl the detroit lions yeah, yeah, field. that's how field. i'm familiar yeah, with yeah. it's field. like the ford field <laughs> yeah. and, and and there's games that happen there so there you go all all that matters is is your is your matchups at course field so you could easily yeah many are saying in week 28 all that matters is the ford field of the mlb which is <laughs> that's, that's our new one the ford field <laughs> all spring I promise. Are, are rockies <laughs> actually starting to get steamed up in these drafts because of that are we seeing any of that it's probably some, not as much as they should yeah <laughs> okay but it's more so the teams that play the rockies at first like got like we're, we're definitely kind of getting a little steam and now it kind of cooled off as like the like more casual players can't come in and aren't thinking that far ahead we have you guys made a nifty get your graphic design team to make a nifty little uh what is it week 23 and 24 matchups chart give me a little color coded at coors field i mean you got to bring me along here guys yeah um, i know you're a visual guy pete we'll, we'll make sure it's nice and pretty <laughs> we'll get some we'll, we'll get we'll color code it it'll be it'll be easy it'll, anybody can do it all right uh gonna become a what is it john you say you're a big hoops guy what is it a big bat guy uh big big diamond <laughs> I don't guy think you want to go with big bat guy <laughs> <laughs> big ball guy i'm a big ball guy and a big bat guy. yeah like <laughs> uh, i'm a big uh i don't know what is it cowhide i'm a big cowhide guy i don't know uh, pine tar guy <laughs> i'll have to figure it out um all right guys appreciate you hanging out oh one other thing i forgot to mention i do have uh created a got a rake free DraftKings league for the showdown contest i put it i normally make you guys work for it mainly uh normally make you go into the discord i did drop it in the show notes below partly because i got a little ambitious and i said let's get 500 people in here so rake free contest <laughs> deposit kingdom who knows maybe i'll kick in a prize to first place there so register for that follow the badge bros uh like i said you can catch them in the deposit kingdom discord also on their youtube channel have that link down below anything else i'm missing on your guys's end no, appreciate you having us on. Get in the Discord. We're we're chopping it up all day, every day. Love it. Um, so for my schedule, I'll have some similar stuff this week. Uh, most likely uh, the club tomorrow, Wednesday, ship chasing. I think we'll probably rip an underdog draft on ship chasing Wednesday. I need to get my big board feet, sea legs, and then I will be off to Arizona. And then you can just tune in to the underdog YouTube channel. I'm sure I will be popping up over there over the course of the weekend. So good luck, everyone. Ship these contests if you're in the big mitten, gauntlet returns, returns, whatever it is. Best of luck for John, for Nez, for Numi, who you know couldn't be here for whatever reason, big timing us. And for Justin Freeman, <laughs> have a great, great Super Bowl week. We'll see you guys next time.